does it mean to trust? You trust that when you leave service today and you're out in the parking lot and you're checking Facebook that your phone is going to work, right? You're pretty trusting right now of that chair you're sitting in. We trust that the sun is going to rise tomorrow, right? There are things in our lives that we place our trust in that we rely on without ever asking the question of. And now uh, the dictionary defines trust as this as the firm belief in the reliability, truth, ability, or strength of someone or something. Now, trusting is, is us placing our faith in the dependency, the certainty, the capability, the power of something or someone. It's one of the cornerstones of every single relationship in the world. And really without trust, there can be no connection with that person, right? Now, one of the most pressing questions to think of our day is who can we trust anymore? I feel like in recent days, there, there used to be someone that we could trust, that we could look to, but it seems like in our current climate, there's no one at all that we can do that with. It seems like everybody's trying to work some angle. They're either trying to manipulate us or use us uh, in some way. And I found myself on, m- on multiple occasions just asking that question, who, who can I even trust anymore? I think the thing is is that too often my focus has been on people and things of this world. And whether or not I like it, the people and things of this world will always fall short. Will eventually fail at delivering their promise, at bringing the change that they say they can, or to even be fully truthful. But there is one. There is one who can be trusted, who we can place our faith in, our firm belief in. And he can be trusted in all the things of our life. And that's who we're going to talk about this morning uh, in our sermon. So good morning. My name is Hunter Upton. Uh, I'm the associate pastor here at Gibwell Church South Haven. Uh, Delighted that you've joined us for worship. If you're our guest today, thank you so much for choosing to worship with us. I hope that this morning uh, is is touching to you uh, as we gather together to sing and to worship uh, and to hear the word. And today we're continuing in our sermon series called Vertical, uh, where we're looking at how when we look to God's glory, when we learn to trust God, when we engage in worship of God, and when we have an eternal perspective, how that changes our lives, that changes our life together, and that changes the world that we live in. And so this morning, we're talking about trusting God. So if you've got your Bible, go ahead and take it out. If you've got a device, turn with me. We're going to be in Joshua, the book of Joshua chapter 3. Uh, Joshua's in the Old Testament. It's the fifth book of the Bible, Genesis, Exodus, uh, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. Then you have Joshua, fifth book. Uh, But before we dive into the text, let's kind of do a little recap of how we got to where we are in Joshua chapter 3. So I'm going to hit some of the high points of the story so far. So uh, Abraham is called by God to leave his home and go into uh, the promised land. Um, And there the Lord gave him a special blessing. Uh, And through his family, not only would he have uh, numerous descendants, uh, but through his family, there would be all, there would be blessing to all the nations of the earth. And we eventually will find that in the New Testament as Jesus, right? Um, But he makes this covenant with him. He says that this is the land that you, my people, will reside in. So Abraham's family, they grow, but a, a, a famine in the land leads them to go down to Egypt. 
There they start to dwell, and unfortunately in Egypt they find themselves eventually enslaved uh, under Pharaoh. And the people, they cry out day after day, wondering, God, had you forgotten me? But here's the thing, God had not. God brings his people out of Egypt under this uh, slave uh, the, the enslavedness that they were in, he brings them out, gives them freedom by his mighty hand. He crosses, he parts the Red Sea so that they can cross over on dry land to freedom. But once they're over on the other side, even though they had seen this great miracle, even though they had seen all the beauty and power that God has, this promise that God had made to bring them back to a land Instead of being faithful and trusting God, they continue to do their own thing, to go their own way, and therefore they wander around in the wilderness for 40 years. So now where we pick up in our text today, we find the people of God finally standing once again on the banks of the Jordan River. They're about to enter into the promised land. They're on the cusp of this. This is the final act to go into the land that God had promised to them. And so let's see what happens. We're going to be in Joshua chapter 3. Let's begin in verse 5. Joshua told the people, Consecrate yourselves, for tomorrow the Lord will do amazing things among you. Joshua said to the priest, Take up the Ark of the Covenant and pass on ahead of the people. So they took it up and went ahead of them. And the Lord said to Joshua, Today I will begin to exalt you in the eyes of all Israel, so that, you may, so that they may know that I am with you as I was with Moses. Tell the priests who carry the Ark of the Covenant, when you reach the edge of the Jordan's waters, go and stand in the river. Joshua said to the Israelites, come here and listen to the words of the Lord your God. This is how you will know that the living God is among you and that he will certainly drive out before you the Canaanites, Hittites, Hivites, Perizzites, Girgashites, Amorites, and Jebusites. See, the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord of all the earth will go into the Jordan ahead of you. Now then, choose twelve men from the tribes of Israel, one from each tribe. And as soon as the priests who carry the Ark of the Lord, the Lord of all the earth, as soon as they set foot in the Jordan, its waters flowing downstream will be cut off and stand up in a heap. So when the people broke camp to cross the Jordan, the priests carrying the Ark of the Covenant went ahead of them. Now the Jordan is at flood stage, all during the harvest. Yet as soon as the priest who carried the ark reached the Jordan and their feet touched the water's edge, the water from upstream stopped flowing. It piled up in a heap a great distance away at a town called Adam in the vicinity of Zarethan, while the water flowing down to the Sea of Arabah, that is the Dead Sea, was completely cut off. So the people crossed over opposite Jericho. The priest who carried the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord stopped in the middle of the Jordan and stood on dry ground, while all Israel passed by until the whole nation had completed the crossing on dry ground. So what's happened? They show up, and what do they find? They find that the Jordan River is at flood stage. And we've all seen pictures lately of just the devastation and, and the enormity that flooding can bring. We've had lots of hurricanes. There's been torrential rains. We've seen all this. So I can imagine that as they approach the river and all they find is, is water inundating the, the landscape. Can you imagine just the like fear, the wonder, how in the world is this going to happen, Lord? 
And since the river was flooding, it, it, it seems like the total cutting off of this water would be no small miracle, right? Like this would be a huge thing. And it could have probably more been easily explained had it just been kind of the water in the banks of the river or, or even had the, you know, it just been a small stream if the water, like someone could come up with some way to explain this, but no. God once again wants to show off his glory and his power by holding back the waters of the Jordan so that they can pass over on dry ground. Ground that had already been saturated, not just a river, you know, bed, but water that had been flooding already. Now they're going to cross over on dry ground safely to the other side. You see, God had already done this kind of miracle once before with their grandparents when they left Egypt, and God did it again, proving that he alone is God. He alone is worthy of being trusted because he fulfills his promises. Now, did you notice what God said before he did this mighty act? If you look back in verse 8, it says, Tell the priest who carry the Ark of the Covenant, when you reach the edge of the Jordan's waters, go and stand. Go and stand in the river. Then a few, few verses later, what do we find? Yet as soon as the priest who carried the Ark reached the Jordan and their feet touched the water's edge, the water from upstream stopped flowing. And it piled up in a great distance away. See, the people had to take a step of faith. They had to trust God before they would see him act. So one of my favorite movies is Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade. And in it, what we find is Jones's father is mortally wounded. And the only way for Jones to save him, who's played by Harrison Ford, is for him to overcome a series of cryptic obstacles in order to find the Holy Grail, right? Uh, there's a point where he has to actually step off a cliff by faith, believing that once he takes this step, an actual step will appear for him to be able to save him from this sure and certain danger, right? This death. And so he moves forward off the cliff and he takes that step. And when he does, it becomes visible that there's a bridge that will allow him to cross over this chasm. But if he had not taken that step, then he never would have discovered how to move forward. Now, we may not know exactly what lies ahead of us in the present, especially whenever we just look out and all we see are the flood waters of life. But God has given us his promise. Here's the point, is that you don't know that you can trust God. You don't know that he is faithful until you take a step of faith. The only way that we can discover that God is trustworthy and faithful is by taking steps of faith based on his promises. Now, this world around us, it might be inundated with worry, fear, anxiety, greed, brokenness. But in the midst of all of that, we can look to God alone and place our trust in him alone because he's faithful. He's the one who's promised and he's the one who's able to make ways that we and the world cannot make. Now, there's something really thrilling and also something very frightening about stepping out in faith. Maybe God's asking you 
to take a step of faith, to change the career that you have to a different career, to more fully utilize that gifting that God has given you. And maybe that even means taking a pay cut. Maybe the Lord has called you to move to a different, a different city, a different state. Maybe he's called you to a different neighborhood than where you live now to pour your life into that community there. Maybe it's even that nudge that you may feel when you're in the grocery store, you're in the line, and you can just tell that someone needs that word of encouragement, that, that offer to pray with them, to give them the presence of Jesus. Maybe even that thrilling and yet also frightening step was and is for you to give your life to Jesus and let him have his way with your life. As God's people, we're, we're not given the whole map of our life and being able to see, you know, where's the right way to go? What's the right decision to make all the time? But we are called to take a step of faith in God as we go on this journey because you never know what he's going to do. So Joshua and the people of God, they take this step of faith with God. And let's see what happens next. If you still got your Bible open, Joshua chapter 4, very next, very next verse. Chapter 4, verse 1. When the whole nation had finished crossing the Jordan, the Lord said to Joshua, Choose twelve men from among the people, one from each tribe, and tell them to take up twelve stones from the middle of the Jordan, from right where the priests are standing. And carry them over with you and put them down at the place where you, where you stay tonight. So Joshua called together the twelve men he had appointed from, from the Israelites, one from each tribe, and said to them, Go over before the ark of the Lord your God into the middle of the Jordan. Each of you is to take up a stone on his shoulder, according to the number of the tribes of the Israelites, to serve as a sign among you. In the future, your children will ask you, What do these stones mean? Tell them that the flow of the Jordan was cut off before the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord. When it crossed the Jordan, the waters of the Jordan were cut off. These stones are to be a memorial to the people of Israel forever. So the Lord directs Joshua and the people to mark and remember what God has done in their story. What God has not just done in their story, but in all of our stories the 12 stones, they mark that moment of God's grace and faithfulness, reminding them that God can be trusted no matter what they face. He's made this promise that this is their land. He's made this promise that they would inhabit it and go forth and that God would fight the battle. It's theirs for the taking. They can trust in him because he is trustworthy. Now this word memorial, it also comes, it has related terms of remind and remembrance and one of the com most common commands of the Lord in the Bible is to remember. It's to remember. It's to call to mind the ways that God has proven himself over and over again. And that he is trustworthy and he's unfailing. One of the greatest things that God, for us as God's people to do is to continue to do this practice of marking and remembering God's faithfulness. To remember what he's promised and what he's already fulfilled and also what he's going to keep fulfilling along our journey in life. And when we mark these moments, something beautiful happens. It helps us remember to trust in God for the future. Now, how many of you set reminders on your phone 
to, to remind you of things. I do this all the time. I set reminders to, to pray for people. I got to set reminders to remember what I'm supposed to pick up at the grocery store on my way home. I set reminders every month to give my dog her medicine because if I don't, the dog's not going to have medicine. Uh, maybe, maybe you do that. Maybe you don't do that. Maybe you do your calendar. You write it on your calendar. You got sticky notes. We all tend to do uh, some way of helping us to remind us of things. Why? Y'all, life is crazy. Life is, is insane at times, and oftentimes I, I get through a day and I'm not sure which end is up and which was out. I, you know, like, I, I'm not even sure. And so I have to have things that help me remember because I don't want to forget the things that are important. I don't want to forget the things that I don't want to forget. The Old Testament is filled with story after story of where God's people, they forget what God has done. And honestly, they're no different than, than us. They had seen God move. They had given his promises. They had seen his mighty power. They had seen his promises fulfilled. And yet, they would forget and they would then doubt him. They needed reminding. And that's why we need these reminders, these markers in our lives. And that's because markers do two things. They remind us of God's grace and they remind us of God's faithfulness. Markers remind us of God's grace and faithfulness. They help us to remember. It's through them that we recall the works, the character, and the promises of God. Through these markers, we can trace his faithfulness in our lives. We can remember that he is trustworthy, that he's reliable, a steadfast, and an unchanging rock in our lives. Now, one of the ways that you can practice markers today, I mean, you can clearly go grab some stones at a local landscaping place and put them in your yard as a way to remember. But it's as simple as just writing down where you have seen God be faithful. Journal about it. Open up your Bible, that verse that you've been praying, that promise that you've been praying to see fulfilled, whenever you see it fulfilled, mark it, date it. Make note of it. Maybe there's a moment where you have come to in your life and you have seen God's faithfulness. Maybe it's with a family member or maybe it's with some certain situation. But take a picture in that moment. Print it out. Write what God has done. The promise that he made and the promise that he has fulfilled where you have seen and you have trusted God and you have taken that step of faith to remind you of the goodness of God. I don't think there are any wrong ways to do markers. There, there's any way that you can come up with. But the thing is, is that we take these markers, we place them, and we revisit them often to remind us of God's faithfulness, of his grace and his faithfulness. Now, in the church, we, we do this at least once a month when we practice communion. It's a marker for us to remember one of the greatest promises, the greatest promise that was fulfilled in Jesus that in our sin, we could not make a way, and yet God does make a way for us in Jesus Christ. His death, but also his resurrection and his ascension to heaven. And that's what we celebrate when we take the Lord's Supper together. But it's a marker for us as a church to be reminded of God's grace and his faithfulness. But here's the thing. These markers aren't just for us and our benefit. What did Joshua say would happen? 
He said that the, there would be days when our children would see those stones and they would ask, what do they mean? Markers in our lives, they point others to God of what he, is, he has done and what he is able to do even in their lives. And these markers aren't about us and what we've done. They're about what God alone has done, about his power and his trustworthiness. And even as the body of Christ, we can share these markers with each other to celebrate with one another what God has done in his faithfulness. They serve as reminders of his faithfulness in the past so that we can look in the present. We can look to him. We can trust him. And that we can have eternal hope in him in the future. Now, I understand there's probably some timidity, some hesitation whenever it comes to stepping out in faith. I think we're all human. I think that's just natural. We love control and we want to do it ourselves. But we've got to take that risk of trusting God, of stepping out in faith. Because if we don't, we will always miss what God is wanting to do in our lives and in our world. So I think there are three things, three things that we can do to step out in faith, that we can take the risk. And the first is this, is that we can surrender yourself. You can surrender yourself. What I mean by this is that we can't keep holding on to our, our own wills, our own wants, our own desires, our old ways. Jesus calls us to take up our cross and follow him, which means that we die to those twisted ways, those twisted thoughts, those twisted desires and plans that we have for our own selves. We must trust that he is good. That his ways and plans are better than any that we can concoct on our own. It's only when we can come to God in this posture of surrender, this posture of, of instead of having clenched fists, of releasing and allowing God to have his way with us, that we can begin to see God working in our lives. We have to trust God with our lives. So we have to surrender ourselves second is we have to pursue God. Take the risk by pursuing God. See, to trust someone, you have to have a relationship with them. You have to know them. It all hinges on that relationship. And if a person's proven themselves as trustworthy, then you find them as trustworthy. But also the vice versa is true, correct? God, as we pursue a relationship with him, it will only further and more deeply convince us of his trustworthiness. And I've talked a lot about God and his promises. And here's the thing. The only way to know God and his promises is to immerse yourself in his word. In this book, these words that he's given to us, it's through these words that we know him better and that we understand what he is at work doing in this world. The Bible is God's gift to us, his word. So open it up. Join a group here at Get Well to dive deep down into it. Search for his promises if you don't know what they are. Find that God is trustworthy when you pursue him. The whole witness of scripture, of the Bible, is that God is never failing in his faithfulness. So surrender yourself. Pursue God. And third thing is to, we have to take the risk to walk in obedience to him. 
Instead of walking in our own ways, instead of, instead of just doing the things that we desire, we're to reorient our lives, align ourselves with what he has called us and told us to do. If you aren't sure that you can walk in obedience, uh, sometimes I, I wonder that myself. Lord, I don't know if I can. He is faithful always to hear our prayers. And I guarantee you, 100%, that he will honor a prayer of you asking him to increase your faith in him. To trust him more fully. To walk in obedience with him. At the beginning of the book of Joshua, the Lord tells Joshua, he promises Joshua, that the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. And as the people, as they passed through the Jordan River on dry ground, who went before them? It was the presence of God in the Ark of the Covenant. And for us, for, for the people of God today in Jesus Christ, John 14 tells us that, that God's presence is with us by his Holy Spirit within us. Which is why we can hear the words of Jesus as he's ascended, as right before he ascends into heaven in Matthew 28. I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Because God's presence goes with us, we can be confident that he is faithful and fully trustworthy for all the things that we're going to face in this life. So what I want you to leave with knowing today is this is that we can always, always, always place our trust in God for he is faithful to his promises. We can step out in faith on those promises that he's given. We can mark and remember what he has done and we can take the risk in knowing him because he is faithful. And if you're still skeptical, about all of this. I just encourage you, take that step of faith. Take that risk to see. Because I don't believe that you're going to be disappointed in what God has done, about what God is doing now, and what God's going to do in the future. Let's pray. Father, it is not uncommon for us to question your faithfulness. Father, we repent. We ask forgiveness for those moments. Father, would you help us? We plead you, Lord. By your spirit, would you dwell in us and encourage us and spur us on to be able to trust you more fully, Lord, to the fullest extent with your love and your grace. Lord, would you help us to mark those moments in our life past where you have been faithful. Lord, where you have been so, so good so that we may be reminded as we face today and as we face tomorrow, Lord, that you are trustworthy, you are fully reliable. And Lord, you are able. 
Father, we are grateful for your promises. We're grateful for your word. Lord, help us to get in it and know your promises and stand on the promises, Lord, not of this world, but of you alone, Jesus. Help us to be your people. Help us to shine bright in this dark world. Help us to be people of love and of grace and of kindness, Lord, because we know that you get the final word. We pray all of this in Jesus' name. Amen. In a moment, we're going to sing a song of response. But I want to let you know that you're welcome to come forward and pray. Kneel at the altars as you wish. You can pray in your seat. Grab a friend beside you to pray. But this is a time of response. We're responding in in what God has given us in his word, what we've learned this morning. And I just want to encourage you that as we sing this next song, that you would listen particularly to the chorus. All my life, you have been faithful. All my life, you have been so, so good. Friends, whether or not we fully understand that, whether or not we fully trust that right now in this moment, that is the truth. And so we can sing to a God who, de- who deserves all the glory this morning because he is exactly that. He is trustworthy. So if you will stand, let's sing together. <laughs>